If you would take your Bibles to John chapter 3, John chapter 3 this morning. John is trying to tell us and help us to understand the wickedness and the evil that is in this world and the fact that without Jesus Christ, because of our sin, we are condemned to be separated from, from God. And so this has been his message and pointing us to the gospel and pointing us to, to Jesus Christ. And then we come to verse number 22, and he says this, After these things, after these things. Now, Jesus has begun his earthly ministry, and we saw that he performed the miracle of turning the, the water into wine there at the wedding. He's run the money changers out of the temple, and, and now he has this conversation with Nicodemus, and, and he points us to the condemnation that we have because of, of our sin. And he says, after these things, Jesus and his disciples, they go to the land of Judea. And we see that Jesus and his followers, followers there are ministering. But so are John the Baptist and his followers. Look with me there again. So after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea. And there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Anon near to Salim because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. So now we see that Jesus and his disciples make his way to this region of Judea. And, and John the Baptist and his disciples are there. And, and they are ministering and they are preaching the message of, of repentance. And the Bible tells us that there they were baptizing because this was a place that had, had a lot of water. And so it, it made sense that they would baptize their followers in this place. Now the disciples of Jesus... And the disciples of John were gaining a lot of followers, and they were baptizing. Now, I want you to remember, before we go on, the, the, the reason they were baptizing here. This isn't Christian baptism is what we um, do today after somebody accepts Christ as their Savior. But this was a baptism of repentance and really preparatory John's ministry was that Jesus, the Messiah, is coming. Remember, he was a forerunner. So everything about his life, everything he did was to prepare the way for Christ. And so John's ministry was to prepare the way for Christ. And when Christ came, he preached the same message. And so now we find the issue here. These were baptizing. In verse 23, John also is baptizing there. Verse 24, for John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And so John is baptizing, and we see here that, that Jesus is getting a following. And, and his disciples are baptizing. We'll see in chapter 4 next week, that, or in two weeks, that uh, Jesus didn't baptize anybody. His disciples did. And so they were baptizing, and, and people were flocking to Jesus. And so John's disciples are seeing this, and they're, they're a little distraught over this. And so there's a conversation with some Jews, and, and let's be honest, as we read through the New Testament, anytime the Jews, that statement gets involved, it's, it's kind of trouble most of the time. It's referring to the Pharisees and those that are going to be against Jesus. And so they started questioning. They started questioning Jesus and his, and his disciples, and there's this question about purification, 
Now, in the Old Testament, there were several purification ceremonies that the Israelites had to follow. And so if you were to go to a synagogue, you would find oftentimes that these cities were near rivers because the, the purification ceremonies had to partake with running water. And if you'll go to synagogues today, you'll find washing ceremonies that are taking, that are taking place. And so really, they, they want to question Jesus' disciples. Now, I don't know what was different about what they were doing versus what John's disciples were doing, but they saw something they didn't like. And so they tried to figure out a way to challenge Jesus' disciples and question them, maybe question their theology or even, even their practice. They, they, they didn't like them, and so they were going to find something that was wrong with them. You know, it's easy when we don't like people to find things wrong with them, isn't it? When people maybe have a little more success than we have, it's easy to, to try to cut them down and, and find something that's wrong with them. And, and maybe we want to prop ourselves up. And so we want to find something that is wrong with, with what they're doing. And so they come and they, and they question. There arose in verse 25 a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And then notice this. They came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, and we're going to see the main issue. He that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. Well, we see very quickly that the issue wasn't the purification. The issue wasn't the, the process of their baptism or whatever they, problem they were trying to raise up. The issue was Jesus was now more popular than John. And so they, they're trying to now create this rift between John the Baptist and Jesus himself. And so they come to John and say, Jesus, all, everybody's going to them. Aren't you upset? Aren't you mad? They're not following you anymore. Nobody's coming to you, but they're all going over there. But the point of our message today is to see John's reaction. How can we make Jesus the focus of our life? How do we overcome jealousy in ministry and, to, and stay humble? How do we stay humble at our work and in any area that we struggle with this idea of, of jealousy? Well, first of all, we see number one in John's response is probably the greatest response that could be given to this question. Number one, we have to understand that God is the one that calls us and enables us. Look with me at verse 27. John is responding, responding to them. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. Now, now they want John to turn red in the face. They want John to get angry. They want John to go over there and say, Listen, Jesus, who do you think you are? I've been preaching and promoting you, and now you're taking away from my ministry. But remember, John understood who Jesus was. Jesus is God in the flesh. And John understood that he was who he was and had the ministry that he had because God called him to it and God also enabled him to do it. So what's the problem? John, John looks at them and says, listen, this Jesus is the one that I came to promote and I can only do what God has called me to do. And my friend, I want you to know that I need to be satisfied 
with who I am in Christ. I need to be satisfied with what God has called me to do and the place that God has called me to be or to be at. It's easy to look around and, and say, man, you know, they have a, a, a better job and, and they have a, a better career and, and they, you know, they have a bigger church and, and they have more talented people. And, and listen, it's easy to, to look around and, and to say, listen, th because there's always somebody better and there's always something bigger. And when jealousy creeps in, we lose sight of who we are in Christ. You know, the, the ministry is not about me. It's, it's, it's not about you. The ministry is about Jesus Christ. And my job is to understand that God is the one that placed me here. And so I should be satisfied. I need to be faithful in what God called me to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul tells us that we are who we are. And we have what we have because of God. And the Bible tells us over and over throughout the, the New Testament, it talks about the different gifts and, and the different abilities that we are given. And it compares us to the body and, and says, listen, we should be satisfied. Listen, if you're the big toe, listen, you should be satisfied with being the big toe. All right? Now, it hurts when you stub it, but man, you should be satisfied. If you're the heart, you should be satisfied. If you're the tongue, if you're the ears, it doesn't matter. Because you are what God made you. Listen, I am who, who I am because, because God made me who I am. You know, I have the family background that I have, and I have the history that I have, because that's where God placed me, and that's what God brought me through. And all of that made me to who I am today. And I need to understand that God calls me, God calls you, and God enables me, and God enables you. And, and this is what John is saying here. I am who I am because of God. I mean, why would I be jealous of Jesus? God called me to prepare the way for him. And if it wasn't for him, I would not even have the ministry that I have. How do we get our focus off of ourselves? And how do we get over this jealous mindset that we might find ourselves in? Listen, we understand and we're satisfied with who we are because God made us who we are. You see, we, we, we fall into the world's trap. The world says, listen, God made you a man, you can be a woman. That's not true. That's ungodly. But, but so is me standing up here saying, listen, God made me a preacher, but I don't make enough money, and so I want to be a businessman. Listen, I want to be a politician. Listen, this is who God made me. And so for me to say I want to be anything else, and I want to go away from God's will. It's just as sinful. And it's so self-centered and self-focused. Listen, if God made you a plumber, praise the Lord. Be the greatest plumber for the glory of God. If he made you a doctor, praise the Lord. I mean, if you're retired, praise the Lord. Listen, do what you can for his glory. God has placed you where you are, and he made you the person that you are today. Our responsibility is simply trust in him. What a response by John the Baptist. I mean, he could have looked around and said, yeah, I deserve better. I've served him all these years, and now look, I'm not getting the glory. In his, in his pride, he could have said, yeah, people should treat me better. He, he should treat me better. That's not what he said. He understood, listen, I am who I am because God made me. How, how do we get the focus on Christ? Understand Understand that God is the one that has called us and enabled us. Number two, understand our purpose. Understand our purpose. Look at verse 28. 
John says, ye yourselves bear me witness. You even said it. I am not the Christ. I'm not the Messiah. I am sent before him. He, they just said to John, you know the one that you were with beyond Jordan, the one that you have prepared the way for? He's getting more glory than you are. And John says, listen, you have said it yourselves. I'm not God. I'm not God. I've been called to glorify him and, and to point people to Christ. Number three, then. Number three, how do I get the attention, my focus in life on Christ? How do, how do I get over my jealousy and, and, and from you know, what I see in other people and what they have? Number three, rejoice in the success of others. Rejoice in the success of others. John uses an illustration here in verse 29. Look at it. He says, he that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, or we might call him the best man, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy, therefore is fulfilled. We see this simple illustration used to make this point. There's a, a wedding. And the best man, he says, is not the groom. The wedding is not about the best man, but the best man is to be there to, to help the groom. And, and the best man rejoices. The best man rejoices for, for the groom. We really see an intimation of the church and our relationship with Christ. As we go through the New Testament, we see that Christ is the groom and the church is the bride of Christ. And so John, uh, they want John to upstage Jesus. They, they want John to, to, get, to want the glory for himself. And John says, wait a minute, I'm here to support him. I'm here to support him and, and to lift him up and to honor him. And, and you know, in doing that, it brings me great, it brings me great joy. John realized that promoting Jesus, promoting Jesus would bring him joy in his life. Because that, that's what he was called to do. That was his purpose. And he was fulfilling his purpose. See, a lot of times we're miserable because we're not getting the attention for ourselves. You're not treating me the way I'm supposed to be treated and all those type of things. You know, you see somebody angry about how they're treated. You see somebody that's upset because they're mistreated by people all the time. And, and listen, I'm going to be honest with you. It hurts. In our flesh, we're all human. It's just reality of life. But when we're consumed with that, that we lose sight of Christ and who he is, then we're probably the center focus of our life. Jesus is the center focus of our life. We can deal with how people treat us. Well, no, we'll struggle. And it'll hurt our feelings. I, listen, I go through it just like everybody else. But man, we're going to find joy when Christ is promoted and people are saved and people are joining the church. And, and, and listen, it, it's not all about me. I have troubles and trials and problems. But man, do you see what God is doing and lets me be a part of and how amazing it is? And this was John's idea. Listen, I rejoice that Jesus is gaining followers, that he is being lifted up, that he is being promoted. How do I get the attention off myself? Rejoice in the success of others. You know, sometimes it's easy, you know, when you, as a church, you look around and, and you say, well, that church, 
they must not be serving God because, you know, look at how big they are. They, they must be worldly and false teaching because that's the only way that they could grow because that's the only way they could be bigger than us. And we, we become bitter that because we're comparing ourselves to them. When we really should be rejoicing when people are being saved and the church is growing and people are being discipled and, and all those type of things. Listen, we don't have time to sit around and look at everybody else and complain and find the flaws in their, in, in their ministry and find the issues in their life. We, we got to be focused on Christ and serving him and rejoicing in what God is doing here and what he's given us the opportunity to be a part of. So we, number three, how do I get my focus on Christ and off of myself, rejoice in the success of others? Number four, commit to exalt Jesus. Look at verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. Warren Wearsby made an observation about this chapter. He said there are three musts in John chapter 3. He said, number one, there's the must of the sinner. You must be born again. Number two, there's the must of the son. He must be lifted up as a serpent in the wilderness. And then number three, there's the must of the servant. Whereas we said, he must increase, but I must decrease. And this was the purpose of John's life. He was committed to exalting Jesus. You see, in order to live a life of humility, we must put Christ first. You know, if we're saved because of what Jesus did on the cross, our only response should be to exalt him. Our only response should be to exalt him. How, how do I get the, the, the focus off of myself? And, and listen, I'm not talking about being trite and, and being ridiculous. Well, I know I got it bad, but God's in control. You know, people say that all the time. They don't mean it. They're miserable. Well, yeah, life's not going too great, but, but God's in control. Listen, we, we say that in, in such a way where we want, to sound, we want to sound spiritual. I know your life is hard because uh, you live in the sinful and fallen world. All of us live lives that are hard. And we're going through different situations and different trials and, and different struggles. And, and we have our own different problems in life. And, and life is difficult. I'm not talking about, yeah, I know life's difficult, but... Praise God. I'm talking about exalting the name of Christ, making him the priority and lifting him up. Even in the midst of the, the persecution and the trials and the hardships, we, we find ourselves rejoicing and glorying in God. You know, you can really see people that that's true of their life. Most of you know somebody right now. You can think of somebody. Man, it doesn't matter. They could hit, be hit by three buses, run over by a train, and they're glorifying God. And, and it's true, and, it's, and, and they mean it. I mean, it is about who they are. That, that, is, that is who they are. Their whole life is committed to rejoicing and, and glorifying God because Christ is the central focus of their life. We get so self-centered and so self-focused that we're just we're miserable. Yeah, I, I'm a Christian, but yeah, you know, life's difficult. Hey, listen, my life is hard and, and it's difficult, but praise God. Praise God. He saved me from my sin. My eternal home is in heaven because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me. One day I'm going to go. Listen, this world's as bad as it's going to get. One day I'm going to go and be with him. But do you know Christ is your Savior? That's kind of the mindset that people have. They're committed to exalting Jesus Christ. And number five, number five, 
If we're going to make Christ the central focus of our life, we must submit to the authority of Jesus. We must submit to the authority of Jesus. You know, there's a lot of people that don't get saved because they don't want authority in their life. They don't want to be accountable to God. Many people reject the even idea that there is a God that created this world because they simply want to be the authority of their life. When you say, listen, I'm going to work my way to get to heaven, what you're saying is, God, you're not the authority in my life. When you say, listen, my way is better than your way, what you're saying is, God, you're not the authority in my life. And we walk around, even as believers, oftentimes, and we, we don't want God to be the authority of our life. We want to be in, in control. But John, as he's reiterating his points here to these, these followers that are trying to create this rift between him and Jesus, notice what he says in verse 31. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. And he that cometh from heaven is above all. What John is saying is, don't you understand? There's a difference between Jesus Christ and myself. He came from above. He is the God that created this universe. He is the one that has placed me in my ministry and given me my opportunities. Listen, I'm just a man. I'm just of earth, just like you are. I'm earthly. But he's heavenly. He's superior. And so my responsibility is to submit to his authority. Verse 32, and what he hath seen and heard that he testifieth and no man receiveth his testimony. He that received his testimony with has set to the, his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. The father loveth the son and hath given, notice there, given all things into his hand. You see, when these disciples came to John, the issue wasn't baptism. The issue is, wasn't whatever they were doing for the purification. The issue was position and authority. Hey, John, we're your follower. I mean, you're, you're, you're the man. We're here to follow and support you. Who is this Jesus and what does he think he's doing? John says, wait a minute, fellas. Don't you understand who Jesus is? We see the same issue in 1 Corinthians and the Bible tells us that those in the church were saying, I'm of Paul, and I'm of Peter, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Jesus. Paul says that the church, the problem is the church was divided. And, and it was divided over who was going to be your authority. And Paul even there says, it's not about me, it's about Christ. I serve Christ, and he is the authority. Everything belongs to to Jesus. That's what John says in verse 35. Everything belongs to Jesus. And I want you to notice the last thing he says in verse 36. He that believeth on the Son. John, again, pointing them back to Christ. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. You know, I think it's interesting. They come to John and they say, John, this Jesus who you've been preaching and you have been pushing, listen, he's taking the limelight from you, trying to create this rift. We, we need to go put him in his place. And John says, guys, my ministry was given to me by Jesus. I am who I am because of, because of him. My, my life is committed to promoting and glorifying exalting 
exalting him. He is the authority because all things have been given to him by God. But then he says one more thing, fellas. I want you to understand this. I want you to understand this. You can believe on me all day long and go to hell. You can support me, promote my ministry, follow me, but without the Son, you're going to die in your sin. He that believeth on the Son hath life. He that believeth on the Son hath life. If you don't believe, if you don't understand that this is the Messiah, if you don't put your faith and trust in him, listen, you can do all the religious work and all the activity and, and be a moral person and do all the good things that you want, but if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you're condemned in your sin. You know, that's a shocking truth to them. Remember, these are Jews, many of them. They, they're, they're of the seed of Abraham, and they're God's chosen people, and now you're trying to tell me. It's not about being an Israelite. It's about Jesus. And listen, you might be here today and say, listen, I go to church, and, and I'm a good person, and I, I love God. And listen, a lot of people say they love God, and, and they believe in God, but it's not just about believing in God. It's about accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's about submitting to his authority and his way. It's not my way. It's not my will. It's not my techniques. It's not my ministry. It's all about Christ. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior personally, you can say you believe in God all day long. You can go to church week in and week out. But if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, your sins are not forgiven. You don't have a relationship with God. Your eternal existence will not be with God in heaven, but you'll be separated from God. And he says, the wrath of God abideth on him. You'll be separated from God in a, in a literal, eternal place called hell. How, how do we get our focus off of our own selves? How do we get over our pride? Understand that God is the one that calls us. Listen, whoever you are, it's great to be you. Whatever you're doing, it's great to do that. Because that's what God called you to do. And that's who you are, who he called you to be. Understand your purpose. It's not about promoting myself. It's about pointing people to Christ and glorifying God. Rejoice when other people have success. Rejoice when other ministries are growing and see people get saved. It's not all about me, but it's about Jesus Christ. Commit to exalting him in your life. And then submit to his authority. Submit to his authority. Whatever he's called us to do is what we should be willing to do. Because he's in control. All things are placed in his hand. Especially when it comes to salvation. It's God's way. There is no other way.